It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Man, I'm, so, I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh, my mama. Oh, my mama made it, Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot, fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. I get excited about it every night about it. A real C's fan wouldn't want to live their life without it. Banner 18 in the making, we gotta make it. Best squad in the East and still we can't get complacent. Most winning franchise, so the history's ancient. You can tell the mother guys are going plan a vacation. Yeah, Corrales, Packard, and J. King Locked on, trying to get the 18th ring The most in-depth coverage that you ever gonna hear Well-respected in a city like Russell's career It's raining Jay. Millie's Welcome back. This is the Locked On Celtics Podcast And we, the Raining Jays, want to thank you For making us part of your daily grind I am John Corrales of MassLive.com Joined tonight by J. King of the athletic here to talk to you about Jason Tatum, Jason, Jason Tatum, Jason, Jason Tatum. <laughs> that was a great Freudian slip. That was great. Saying he'd trade himself if he had to for Anthony Davis. Kyrie Irving is drawing charges at a ridiculous clip. We'll talk about that, but let's start with more conversation about the Boston Celtics ball movement. We talked a little bit about this in the post game. Celtics, uh, 37 assists in the game against Brooklyn. Another season high. Another game with 30-plus assists. Some of it, I think, was kind of pumped up by the fact that there were so many turnovers. There were so many transition opportunities. Uh, But at the same time, lots of ball movement. The guys are moving. The guys are whipping it around. Feels like there's, there's... more uh, emphasis on on the ball movement. Jay, you wrote about this on The Athletic. It's kind of this return as it was put to the media of this .5 approach to basketball. So why don't you explain? Yeah, so basically .5 approach to basketball is when a player catches it, he has .5 seconds, half a second to pass, shoot, or drive. And it's a quick decision-making that the Celtics kind of lacked. And one stat, I, I didn't even, this is a stat I didn't know until I looked it up because Brad was talking about pace and Al Horford was talking about pace. And so I looked up their transition numbers and I didn't even realize how good they've been in transition. They're number four right now in points added per 100 possessions in transition for cleaning the glass. And, and you can see it, like they're just, their spacing in transition has been great. They're getting early offense. They're getting all kinds of threes. And they're just kind of in more of attack mode. I don't even know if it's like it's a a, a thing where like everybody's – like they're obviously playing together better. But I also think they're learning like, okay, it's, it's, it's time for me to go now. And sometimes I think early in the season, especially the Celtics were kind of afraid to step on each other's toes. And now it's they're kind of, to me, finding a balance of when to go, when to be spaced, when to cut, when to shoot, when to pass. And the assist numbers, I think, are the most telling part of all that because this is a team that has struggled for a long time 
to struggled at the beginning of the season, especially to kind of play together and have that synergy. And the ball has really, really been whipping around the last few games. Yeah, they, they've they've really been moving the ball well, and even when they don't play well. And that, to me, is an important thing because it's one thing to whip the ball around when you're playing well. It's another when you're playing poorly to still end up with 37 assists. I didn't think they played great against the Nets, still had 37 assists. Yeah. You know, so it's like carrying those habits over when things aren't going well is important, too. Yeah. I think there's another step for these guys to take. There's the whipping the ball around, which is great. Uh, Sometimes, though, I think they fall into a habit where they're only whipping it around the perimeter, and they're not driving it. And I think sometimes they get lazy, and, and I think I saw that against the Spurs, that they, they were really starting to do that, and they, they got themselves into trouble. But what instead of driving and kicking and then getting the ball around the, the top of the key and, and doing that sort of passport play around the world, they're just – not getting the ball into the paint. And I think that's the next thing. They're doing it more. They're doing more of it. But it's still, I think, the next thing that they have to do. They're passing the ball a lot more. Uh, Jalen Brown's passing the ball better lately. I think Jason Tatum has been passing the ball better, at least on his drives, has been looking to pass the ball. And they've, they've been better at recognizing when Defenses are collapsing on them and when they should move the ball. So that's better. I think Kyrie Irving is focusing a lot on getting guys uh, open and, and getting them the, the shots that, that they should get. I think Gordon Hayward is improving. And with that comes more of a threat offensively of him to score, which is now opening up the passing lanes that had been collapsing because all he was doing before was passing. I think all of that plays into the better ball movement. And, event, and what that really means is eventually it's just going to keep getting better as Hayward gets better, as Brown, as Tatum continue to get better. So there, there is a lot, I think, that can still be unlocked with the Celtics. Yeah, I mean, maybe. But at the same time, like since November 26th, when Marcus Smart first slid into the starting lineup, they're first in offense. Mm-hmm. And sure, some of that was the eight-game winning streak, but it's now been like a month and a half where the Celtics have the number one ranked offense. Yeah. That, like that, that's starting to become an extended period of time. That's, that's, that's a whole lot of games here. Now that it, the games are starting to pile up where like their offense has been really good. They're hitting a ton of threes. They're, I think third in the league in percentage and second in makes behind the, only the Rockets and James Harden's ridiculous stretch during that time. So like, and the fact that it came after the the lineup has changed, like that to me is an important date, yeah, that November twenty sixth date. Yeah, like it's not just a random thing where like you pick like the best games that they've had, and it happened to be the best games that they've had, but it also came after the lineup change when they kind of shifted how they did things. And so I, I think their their offense has shown more than capable lately, and it's it's funny because their free throw rate is still among the the very worst in the league and it just hasn't mattered lately because they've just been making a lot of shots and that's just what they do and it's kind of what they did last year but they did it in more of like a an iso basis and like last year i want to say they were they were one of the best three-point shooting percentage teams and they were one of the best mid-range percent shooting teams but it was like they took a lot of like bad shots and this year 
with the assists getting up, they're starting to get unassisted or they're starting to get assisted looks instead of the unassisted ones. And Brad, Brad's talked about that recently, how he wanted to change that. And, and it's starting to change and they're getting more quality looks. And you, you see it with, with a lot of their guys, like guys, guys are really benefiting from that. So this has all been very positive. It's been a very positive discussion. Uh, it's been a very positive trend. I think everybody kind of sees it. There, there are people who are still maybe a little too focused on the early season stuff and, and not paying as close of attention to the current stuff. And, and maybe that applies to a certain scout that was in Mark Stein's NBA newsletter for the New York Times in which this scout, a Western Conference scout, anonymous scout, says of, of the Celtics, quote, I'm off the Celtics. It's almost like they have too much talent. Something has gone awry there. It's too much my turn basketball whenever I see them. The ball doesn't move the same way it used to, and I just don't know if Kyrie Irving is the kind of guy who can get everybody on the same page. Now, the question is, when the hell did this guy make this quote? Because that sounds like something, the, the too much talent line is something that we were saying in early November when I was saying, I wonder if they they have too much in that starting lineup, too much even level talent. I remember saying that. Yeah, in, in early November, this quote right here made sense. Today, in this, it doesn't make any sense to me at all to say this today or, or recently. Can I just point this out? Please. This scout is a moron. <laughs> like, it's it's one thing to think the Celtics have too much talent and they won't figure it out. Like, we've been talking about sample sizes and from November 26th forward. Take the longest sample size, whatever. They're fifth in the East. They shouldn't be fifth in the East. Do whatever you want. Take Claim whatever you want. To say that Kyrie can't be the guy who runs all of it is outrageous because this is Kyrie's best season of his career. This is the first time in my eyes he's been a legitimate top 10 player. The Celtics have been 9.4 points per 100 possessions better with him. That's pretty much like a, a superstar level since November 26th, which is when the starting lineup changed, which is when he got out of that doomed starting lineup that they started the season with. And granted, he was in that starting lineup, so Maybe part of that is on him. He, they're scoring like 120 points per 100 possessions with him on the court. Like, that's outrageous. Yeah. The Warriors with Stephen Curry score like 115. And so they're playing at a level with Kyrie Irving on the court, mind you, that that suggests that he can stir the drink pretty freaking well. And this scout is is totally misguided. And this scout has no clue what's actually going on. And this scout should probably actually watch some basketball and look at some stats and realize what the hell is actually going on before he makes his way into the New York Times newsletter. <laughs> it's, it really is one of two things. Either this guy hasn't seen the Celtics play in a long time and he's just going based on all old it, it could have been a quote that was from a while ago. It, and it, That's the other thing. It could have been a quote that he had, that Mark Stein had sitting in a notebook that he just decided to, to put in there. Which I don't know. It's so weird. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. I think with with a quote that's so outdated, considering the Celtics' current success. Like I would call the guy back and be like, "Hey, I'm going to run this quote 
do you want to change it? And if he, I mean, maybe he did. And the guy said, nah, screw it. Go ahead. Then whatever. That's fine. But it's such an odd quote to be putting out there today uh, when the Celtics seem to be doing extraordinarily well. And like you said, behind Kyrie, who's doing extraordinarily well, not just offensively, but defensively. And we'll get to the defensively part right after we come back on the Lockdown Celtics podcast. And remember, if you got yourself a smart speaker for Christmas or for any of the holidays that you may celebrate, you can ask it to play Locked On Celtics. Just wake it up and say, play Locked On Celtics. So do that whenever you want to listen to the podcast, and we'll be right back. NFL teams making bold final moves before the start of the season. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. The Tennessee Titans have announced a one-year deal with linebacker Jadavion Clowney, reportedly worth $15 million. Tyler Rowland of Locked On Titans tells you if it's going to be enough to get Tennessee back to the AFC title game. In other moves around the league, the Miami Dolphins named Ryan Fitzpatrick starting quarterback, which means Tua will be back up for the time being. And the Detroit Lions have agreed to a one-year deal with running back Adrian Peterson. Peterson was released by the Washington football team last Friday. For more NFL news and analysis, subscribe to the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show and listen to a brand new lineup on Locked On NFL. They'll have division previews every day this week. Local experts on the biggest stories. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're up to date on your favorite team, but what about the competition? Hollinger and Nate Duncan are evaluating every bubble contender on Hollinger and Duncan. Rejecting the screen goes behind the scenes with in-depth interviews and the Locked On NBA podcast is recapping games daily. Let the Locked On NBA network of podcasts take care of your NBA bubble scouting reports. Hollinger and Duncan rejecting the screen, the Locked On NBA podcast. Subscribe to the best trio of NBA podcasts on the planet wherever you get your podcasts. So before the break, we established that Kyrie Irving is somewhat important to the Celtics' success, which kind of begs the question uh, as we talk about him taking charges and with another one last night, moving into the team lead, tied with Marcus Smart for nine on the season. Do we want Kyrie Irving sacrificing his body and taking charges like this? Yes, of course. Yes, of course. Of course. Of course. The Celtics should want that. And everybody who doesn't want that is a buffoon. <laughs> I, I, I'm going hard tonight. I'm okay, going at, salty. I'm going at people. Extra no, salt, please. People were in my mentions all the time. About, oh, no, Kyrie shouldn't take charges. Kyrie's a star. Ah. How many times have you seen a player actually get hurt taking a charge? How many times did it happen? Like once? was it, Did Andrew Bogut get hurt taking a charge? Was that even taking a charge? I, I don't recall that one. How many times have you legitimately seen someone no. get hurt taking a charge? It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. So everybody calm down. Kyrie's far more often to get hurt like making a dribble move than he is – taking a charge so if you don't want your players taking charges you're not for me 
And the fact that Kyrie is taking charges is, I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's such a change. And like his defensive effort is night and day. And it uh, uh, seems like it happens a couple of times every game where he'll impact a big man's shot, not by taking a charge, but well, sometimes he takes charges, but sometimes he just goes over and, and tries and yeah. like, like he'll come over and, and put his hands up and, and force a miss. And it's like, how is Kyrie ever force, forcing guys to miss? But sometimes it's like the effort and just the having someone in the vicinity, like putting a little pressure on you. Sometimes that forces a miss. And Kyrie's, Kyrie's had more moments probably already this season than he had like that all of last season. He's just been, his effort has just been consistently good defensively. And it's, it's a huge change. And that's why when I say, said earlier in the podcast that he's finally playing at a top 10 level, that that's what I mean. Like he's playing defense now. This, this is the best passing season probably of his career, at least an assist rate. Like the Celtics, he's he's driving their offense whenever he's on the court. He's he's committed to playing the team basketball on both ends that they want. And Marcus Smart kind of laughed about it. He's like, yeah, when Kyrie was gone, he and Marcus Morris, like those are two guys we rely on on both ends. And he said most people probably don't even think that about Kyrie's defense, but it's true. And and it has been this season. So he this is the best all around basketball he's played in the regular season, at least in his life. I know he's had some fantastic finals runs and playoff runs and all that, but no, this is he's he's been great. Absolutely, and that's why the, that's why the season. scouts just a clown clown. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's kind of funny the numbers in in stark contrast to Marcus Smart. So he said after the game. You know, it's well documented that I watch Marcus Smart highlights and how he's kind of inspired by Marcus Smart and Aaron Baines. Uh, so Kyrie has taken nine offensive fouls. He's drawn nine offensive fouls, which is as many as he's had in the prior two seasons combined. And that's over the course of 132 games. And he's played, what, 35 so far this year? So. Definitely taking a lot more. But what's really funny is that over the course of the past two years when he took those nine, Marcus Smart's taking 40 offensive fouls, which just goes to show how crazy Marcus Smart is for taking those offensive fouls. But the the defensive effort from Kyrie does, doesn't just impact the fact that he's playing and trying. It impacts other guys because when your star player is doing something that you probably don't want to do, because playing defense is hard. It's all about effort. If Kyrie's out there playing defense, like you got to go play defense. You can't have Kyrie out there trying and you not trying. So that is—I don't want to make it sound like you know he's—he's. He's, this is me trying to inspire the the troops or anything, but it—that's it, the side effect that you can't be out there dicking around defensively if Kyrie if Kyrie Irving is drawing charges and contesting big guys at the rim. Well, sometimes they do dick around defensively, <laughs> so maybe you can. <laughs> we'll, we'll be justified. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's certainly a lot tougher to, yeah, to do dumb stuff when the star is out there taking charges. Yeah. So uh, it's nice to see. It's nice to see that Kyrie is putting forth that effort. Some people may say that it just highlights his lack of effort in the past, and it'll try to paint. And it, it probably does. Yeah. Well, it probably does. But and, and even he will say that. He even did. he will. He'll be the first to tell you he hasn't played defense in the past and wanted to change this year. Yeah. He he said earlier the season. I've coasted. He said, I've coasted on the defensive end. So, like, that's 
something that he he is super interesting. He forget about the whatever stuff he says, the flat earth stuff, whatever. I don't give a shit about that. What really I'm looking at from him is the evolution of who he is and the way he thinks and this is part of it. Like he is he is thoughtful. Maybe some of his thoughts are kind of out there, but he's out he's not just sitting there doing nothing. He's thinking and he's evolving and he realizes that things that he's done and said and the way he's acted in the past are not exactly how he should be acting now. That's called growing up. Everybody except for you who is still wildly immature, everybody grows at <laughs> certain like that little drive by. Uh, I, I was just gonna say, I was gonna say the same thing. My damn self. <laughs> Be like, wait, well, not me, John. <laughs> but that's that's just the course of growing up. That when you're young and in your twenties, you say and do stupid things, and then you get a little bit older and you go, okay, that was pretty dumb. Uh, shit, I'm in my forties, and I think the things I did in my thirties was pretty dumb, and it's just gonna keep on going. I'm gonna look at yeah, myself, you're, you know, you're, you're still pretty dumb. I'm still doing pretty dumb things sometimes, so. <laughs> The whole core, the whole point is to eventually like do like less dumb stuff. So yeah, and then make and then make scouts look stupid. Exactly, exactly. We'll be right back with more Anthony Davis trade talk and Jason Tatum. Go ahead, throw me in there. That makes more sense. That makes a lot of sense. Jason Tatum's comments coming up next on the Locked On Celtics podcast. can't go a day a day without anthony davis something anthony davis propping cropping up and and everybody just going crazy you just mentioned anthony davis farted today and it's some sort of referendum on whether the, the pelicans can can keep him well the they thing, can't they they probably can't he's he's probably there's gone. no uh, he's come out and said his legacy matters to him of course of course like and the pelicans aren't going to be a place where he can build on his legacy. And it's certainly not a place where fans go to watch basketball games. So it's true. No, it's true. But you know, because we don't, we can't predict the future, even though we can say with 99.9% certainty, he's probably gone. You know, who knows? Maybe, maybe a miracle happens somewhere. in. he's a goner. Yeah, probably, probably. So, Anthony Day, like today, the the story was that the the medical staff cares more about football, and the owner cares more about football. So there's criticism there. Anyway, the talk is about him being traded, and Jason Tatum said uh, to Cedric Maxwell after the game, saying, "I'd trade, I'd trade me for Anthony Davis." And then his his dad chimed in and said, "I'd probably trade him too if he wasn't my son." So just kind of fun. Like he, he he knows what's going on. He sees it. He hears it. And yeah, he gets it. He'd trade himself. Would you trade Jason Tatum in an Anthony Davis deal? Uh, it depends if you really, really have to. Um, like, how good are the Lakers assets going to be? That's the question to me. Like, who are the Celtics going to be bidding against where they'll have to put Jason Tatum on the table? And maybe it would be the Lakers. Maybe like Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, whatever is is enough to to make them put Tatum on the table maybe but to me like 
they'll have other assets. They'll, they'll have probably four first-round picks, the way it's shaping out. They'll have two of those could be in the lottery. Like, they could have a lot of a lot of assets. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but you need to have the assets and you need to have a team that can convince Anthony Davis to stay beyond the last year on his contract. Yep. That, that's a big piece of it, too. So that limits the, the playing field big time. And so ultimately, if you need to throw Tatum in there, I think you probably have to, right? Because because then you get Anthony Davis and Kyrie Irving, who is now a legitimate two-way player. And to me, one of the top – this year he's been one of the top three or so point guards in the league. Mm-hmm. So if you team him with Anthony Davis, who's a top six or seven player, whatever the case may be, then that's that's a – got a chance for a title. And and maybe you have a chance for a title this year. Maybe you have a chance for a title if you keep Tatum. Maybe Tatum becomes this super-duper star. But to me, like, he's Anthony Davis. And it, it would be – like, Jason Tatum's really freaking good. I, I believe in that – in his future quite a bit. But but also, it's Anthony Davis. It's Anthony Davis. And when you think about – when you say the words out loud, when you say the potential starting lineup, like, if they – trade for Anthony Davis and then they go ahead and re-sign Marcus Morris. Like Marcus Morris doesn't become the cap casualty. They turn around and re-sign him and you start a lineup of Kyrie, Gordon Hayward, Morris, uh, Anthony Davis and who? Somebody, maybe whoever else. That's that's pretty good. Al Horford or do you bring Al Horford off the, off the bench? Uh, do they keep one of those young guys? and maybe throw Jalen Brown in there. there. The possibilities, just throwing that starting lineup out there is really, really good. Uh, obviously, yeah, they love to keep Jason Tatum. Uh, it may it may hinge on Jalen Brown playing. How well does he play? Does he become as valuable? How valuable does he become in a deal like this? I think coming into this season, like over the summer, it was – in any of these deals, Jimmy Butler, Anthony Davis, whomever else, it was you you get one of those two guys. You can't have both. And now it's obvious Jason Tatum has much more value than Jalen Brown because Jalen Brown struggled coming out of the gate, and he's only now, over the past 15 or so games, gotten himself back into a place where we see him rounding back into form. But I think, tell me if I'm wrong, that – it's not. It's not as. It's not as close as it was maybe for people in, in the. Office. I don't think it was. I don't think it was ever that close. To be honest, mm-hmm. I think. I think Tatum just has every skill, sure. whereas Jalen just has more hole. And and Jalen's been just as productive. He was just as productive last year, uh, just about. Like it, it was pretty close. Tatum was a little more efficient, um, but it's just the difference in skill level to me that that separates them because I think Tatum will get stronger as he grows older and obviously he's a couple years younger than Jalen uh, I mean they're both they're both really good but to me Tatum is is on another level as a prospect um, but yeah I mean it all depends and it depends like how do the Lakers play who, who else like is Ben Simmons is he going to be put out there like what what do the Sixers do like do they trade what if they put Embiid on the table? You know, like oh, I'm just saying, like that's not totally out of the table. 
off the the table, is it? Like it'd be. I, it may not be. It may not be. I don't know. Like I, I'm, I'm just say. saying. Like like it's just when you think about possibilities that could like it's potentially possible. happen. There are there are you ways know. that that Boston's package wouldn't wouldn't look quite so attractive. But I think Tatum is is going to be if they put him on the table like it's going to be tough to beat Boston's package. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it just depends on like it would take a lot. It would. To beat Boston's would. package with Tatum. Right. If they had Tatum on there the, the Lakers who everybody thinks is just the front runner. And maybe if you put Tatum you can save like a first round pick or two or like another piece you would have had to throw in. You know? So Right. But the picks are are super interesting because the way it works now, because of that Rose Rule thing, because they can't trade for Anthony Davis until Kyrie opts out, the picks are are I don't know if they're problematic or if they help. I still haven't landed anywhere yet because let's assume that they say all four picks, okay? And fine, whatever package of players plus four draft picks. Those picks in if the deal was able to be made at the trade deadline, those picks are sweetener. They don't they don't count towards salary matching or anything like that. In in the NBA you have to match the salaries within a certain percentage and you throw the picks on top of it so you don't have to throw the types of players in there. Those are the sweetener and and they're just they have zero dollar value. But because of the way this is working out, and the Celtics couldn't execute the trade until after July 1st, and after Kyrie opts out and signs a new contract, those picks become players. They become players that need to be signed, and they become players who have to be signed at certain salary slots because the NBA's first round has slots where the the salary is basically predetermined. So four draft picks can become... $15 $15 million, let's say, in salary, which I don't know if that complicates things or if that helps the Celtics make a trade without having to give up like Marcus Smart. They get to keep Marcus Smart in this deal because that $15 million is what the Marcus Smart contract was. And now that helps the Celtics out in, in keeping a guy. It's hard. It's hard to I'm not sure where it lands but or or maybe they still have to include Marcus Smart and take back a bad contract like Solomon Hill. Uh, it's it's still it's still a lot of moving parts. It's still very complicated with that. It's going to be a crazy summer. It is, and it's going to continue to be a crazy off season because somebody could swoop in, and and this is the other the other thing when it comes to Anthony Davis, somebody can swoop in and make them a hell of a deal at the trade deadline if they decide at the trade deadline. Screw it, we're going to move them. And there's nothing anybody can do about that. If the Lakers decide to offer their deal, Boston's kind of stuck unless they do something with Kyrie Irving, which they're not going to do. They're just kind of stuck. That That's really the worst-case scenario. That wouldn't be good. But the timing makes more sense for New Orleans to, to hold on to him oh, until absolutely. summer first because then they get to see whether he accepts the mega extension. And second, because then you can create a bidding war with everybody, including Boston, who has absolutely a treasure chest of of picks and players. And also, obviously, these things come down to what New Orleans values. Like you and I can sit here and debate and think that Tatum's the best piece, but if 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 the one decision maker in New Orleans believes, you know, like Brandon Ingram's a super duper star. 
then things change. And that's how that's how the Pacers ended up with Paul George for Victor Oladipo and Sabonis. It's like it's like what? That's how Toronto what? no, that's how Toronto and, ended up with with uh yeah, they, they value because <laughs> they wanted because San Antonio wanted players who could win now and they didn't want a package of picks. So they they had the guys that San Antonio wanted. They got Kawhi and that's how that happened. So, yeah, you're absolutely right there. What we think is a good package might not be what they think is a good package. Facts, facts. I'm not bored. I'm agreeing. <laughs> You're still stuck on that board thing. I always will be, man. That's funny. Criticism sticks with me. That's funny. You internalize it. Just drives you to make you better. That's all. All right. Hope this podcast has been better for everybody. Good enough for you to subscribe if you're a new listener. Hope everybody's been enjoying it lately, trying a few new things. And uh, we're just going to keep on moving forward with it. So subscribe. Give us that five-star rating. Give us that good written review and share the podcast. Tell everybody to listen to the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Hi guys, this is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.